In case you haven't noticed in this program, we are huge fans of what has been going on uh, in the way of robotic exploration of the solar system. Uh, uh, you know, from my, in my mind, this is this is much better than anything seen on Buck Rogers uh, or Star Trek or, or Star Wars or anything like that. This is real. These are real places uh, near at hand in our own solar system. And we've got cameras out there t- uh, taking pictures. We've got instruments out there making measurements. And the Cassini mission promises to be uh, another in a string of, you know, spectacular successes for NASA. Joining us now to talk about the Cassini mission is Trina Ray, astronomer. She is one of the scientists working on the Cassini team. Welcome to Radio Parallax. Well, thanks for inviting me. Well, we're delighted to have you. We're very excited about what's happening out there at the Ringed Planet. And uh, we're hoping you can tell us some uh, some of the exciting aspects of it. I'd be happy to. We've uh, really had an exciting couple of weeks here. Uh, Most of us who've been on the project for quite some time, like myself, I've been on the project for over a decade. Uh, We've been sort of waiting and waiting and waiting and cruising on our way out to Saturn. And we had our Saturn orbit insertion event on the evening of June 30th. It went picture perfect. We couldn't have done it better. And now we're in orbit around Saturn. I mean, in orbit around Saturn. And so we're, we're looking forward to starting four years of, of really in-depth exploration of the Saturn system. Now, uh, this marks the fourth planet that man has put something in orbit around. We've, we've got something, we've, we've orbited Venus, Mars, Jupiter, but now for the first time we're out getting toward the edge of the solar system. It's, it's really an amazing accomplishment. It's, it's, it's absolutely not easy to do it. <laughs> you know, you can tell just from the amount of time it takes just to get out to Saturn. Well, we should talk about that. You, you did not take the most direct route to get there. That's true. We didn't take the most direct route, but we took the easiest route. Talk about what that is. It's, it's kind of amazing. The it's actually kind of interesting because you really don't think about it very much, but the sun, there's so much mass in the sun at the center of our solar system that fighting the gravity of the sun to get out to the outer solar system is just really hard. And so what we typically do is we sort of launch spacecraft sort of sideways in the solar system so that the sun sort of, as the sun pulls them back in, it pulls them back towards whatever planet we want to go to. In fact, that's the easiest way. That's how we get to Mars. It's just sort of this big half you know, half circle. We launch from the Earth on on one side of the sun, and the sun pulls us around, and we hit Mars on the other side. But Cassini actually couldn't do that. Um, that would have been really, the, the spacecraft would have had to be in, been a lot bigger. We would have had to have just even more uh, weight, and it just was too hard. So what we did is we did this little sort of loop-de-loop. We, we looped around the inner solar system a few times, and we flew by Venus and Earth and Venus, and we got these little gravity assists that gave mm-hmm. us just a little extra kick. As the spacecraft goes by a planet, the planet is sort of moving around in its orbit around the sun, and it just sort of drags the spacecraft along with it for a little bit and gives it this nice little kick. So we got these kicks as we went out. Every, one, every little planet we flew by helped us, and so it took about seven years, but we circled several times. But uh, then we got out to Saturn, and we had this huge burn. We, we had to burn the main engines for over 96 minutes and uh, go into to 
be captured by Saturn's gravity, and it was really exciting. You're going fast, you better slow down, or you're going to just go whizzing right past <laughs> exactly. the Exactly. We did not want to fly by mission. <laughs> This mission is so terrific. We've got uh, 12 instruments on the orbiter and six instruments on the probe. And we actually are two missions in one. Uh, we're the most international mission that, uh, that is currently flying. We've got a partnership with the European Space Agency, and they put together this little probe, the Huygens probe, that's going to detach from the Cassini spacecraft in December of this year, in fact, Christmas Eve. It's going to detach from the Cassini spacecraft and head towards Titan and then drift down to the atmosphere for two hours on January 14th of next year and take all of its measurements and then hopefully land on the surface. And uh, any, any data they get on the surface is just gravy. They're designed to take all their information on the way down. Right. So, I mean, they put together this whole probe with six instruments, and uh, we've been carrying it along all this way out to Saturn, and, and uh, we're really excited to, to release the Huygens probe and have all that data come back. Of course, Titan is so interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, Titan is the largest moon uh, at, at Saturn. It's one of the largest moons in the solar system. It's, the, it's in fact, larger than the planet Mercury mm -hmm. uh, or the planet Pluto. It has an atmosphere that's like one and a half times as thick as the atmosphere you're breathing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's made mostly of nitrogen, like the atmosphere you're breathing right now, and it has a lot of hydrocarbons in it. So it's, it's fascinating. I mean, Titan is fascinating. In, in an odd way, it's, it's, it's more like the Earth than most other places we could think of. In fact, you're right. And most people, um, a lot of scientists consider that looking at Titan is a way to understand the primordial Earth. Uh, Earth in its early stages must have had a very nitrogen-rich atmosphere. There would have been hydrocarbons available. Uh, the, the main difference, of course, is that Titan is quite cold, uh, much, much colder than the Earth's atmosphere. But that's okay. Uh, we still learn a lot. Uh, from, from it, and of course, the spacecraft, the, the, Huygens, uh, the Huygens probe is going to land on Titan, but the Cassini orbiter is going to go by Titan over 45 times in the yeah. mission. And uh, between those two uh, data sets, uh, we should really be able to learn an awful lot about this very, very interesting place. I can imagine. The, the, the first uh, ecstatic news reports that were coming out of the first pass that Cassini made at Titan uh, was, was really interesting because... I guess you guys have spent a lot of time down there developing cameras and wavelengths that you can use to peer through smog. Uh, exactly. That, that actually, it's, it's, it may shock people to realize, but that Titan has smog all around it. <laughs> There's all these hydrocarbons in the atmosphere, and that uh, it's, it's, it's sort of this, this orange shroud. But you guys have managed to penetrate that on the first pass. We weren't ready for it when Voyager flew by. We flew by. We had all these uh, mosaics and images of, of Titan. We were ready and then come to find that every image came back sort of as an orange ball. There were maybe some, some differences in the hemispheres, like the north hemisphere versus the south, right. and maybe there's something wrong. But it was essentially completely shrouded because of the smog. And, of course, I live in Los Angeles. It's very easy to explain <laughs> to people in Los Angeles how little particles in the air can block your view because when I drive in in the morning, I often can't see the mountains that are just 10 miles away. But um, Titan is exactly like that, and we had to really give some thought to, to what we were going to do with the Cassini spacecraft that would allow us uh, to penetrate that. And we have several, uh, several opportunities and several investigations that, are, that have uh, different ways of doing that. For example, we have a visual and infrared spectrometer on board the spacecraft that, will, that does image, and it'll look in infrared wavelengths. So that, that should penetrate the, sm the smog, no problem, right down to the surface. Right. And in fact, the images that we took on July 1st or 2nd, let me think, I think it was July 2nd, yeah. um, those, the infrared images straight down to the surface, no problem. We also have on the camera itself, we've put in a special filter uh, in one of the wavelengths, 
when there's sort of this little band in, in the wavelength region where you, uh, with methane, that you think you can get right to the surface, and so they, they put that on board the spacecraft, and that seems to have gotten straight down to the surface. And, of course, we have the radar instrument. The radar instrument was not used in our first, um, this yeah. first distant flyby, but the radar instrument, we're going to turn the high-gain antenna on the spacecraft towards Titan and blast out radar wavelengths, and then the echo will come back, and that will go right through to the surface also. So yeah. really, uh, no, it, it's I, just, you know, we've got, we've got, and actually it's really good that we have all of these different ways of mm-hmm. studying Titan because any one instrument alone wouldn't give you the full picture. In fact, uh, even the, the scientists who were sitting there watching all the data come down on July 2nd, so our first non-targeted, you know, very far flyby of Titan, and the imaging team is sitting there going, huh, look at that, and the, the infrared team is sitting there going, huh, Look at that. Is that a cloud? Okay, that's a cloud. Yeah. And, and so, so they had to work together. And you got some puzzling images that still are not quite deciphered, I, I gather. Titan is a mystery still. Well, it, it, and, and we're, God, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for you to unravel it. I know. Oh, that, I know. That, I mean, it's just, I mean, here it is. It's this giant moon. It has its, it's the only moon with an atmosphere. And, and we know nothing about its surface. We're well, going to send a probe down. Let's talk about oceans. Yeah, there could, in fact, be oceans of, of ethane on, on Titan. We, we, we haven't seen them yet, and we, you know, we think we should have seen them in these first set of images, but, of course, more processing still has to be done. Right. But the concept is, is in this giant, thick atmosphere of nitrogen, you also have methane. We can detect methane. It's the, one of the major, minor constituents of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And methane, when sunlight hits it, breaks up into other hydrocarbons, ethane, and things of that sort, which should drift down out of the, the atmosphere and land on the surface. So you should have, you know, and the methane is still there. So the methane is constantly getting broken up by sunlight, and yet we still see methane in the atmosphere. So one of the, one of the big mysteries that we're hoping to solve uh, in our mission, our four-year mission plus whatever extended mission we have, is we're hoping to solve the source of the methane uh, at Titan. And then these, the, the theory is that... that um, you know, after you break up the methane, you have ethane drifts to the surface, and it should collect in, in pools and puddles and lakes and oceans. Uh, but I think we can say pretty clearly from this first set of images that we certainly don't have a global ocean. In fact, there were even some Earth-based images that have been uh, fairly convincing over the last two or three years or so that says we don't have global oceans on Titan, but we still could have big, you know, lakes and seas that we haven't seen yet. But, but we, haven't, we haven't seen them yet. Well, uh, I guess we just tell everyone, stay tuned. Anyone who's ever looked through a backyard telescope knows that, that Saturn is the jewel of the sky. It the is. rings of Saturn rarely fail to take people's breath away when they see it for the first time. And, uh, and we know that, um, that there's this unique structure. First of all, why does Saturn have rings? No other planet has rings like those. Well, that's true. No other planet has rings like those, but the four giant planets all have rings, uh, small, you know, compared to Saturn's rings. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody knows for sure how, how the rings of Saturn started. Sort of the, the current theories are maybe there was a small moon that got too close to Saturn, and it, inside the Roche limit, which is, uh, a, a, which is a physics term for saying, if you get too close to this big, heavy gravity ball, uh, then the, the actual gravity will just rip you apart, that you, your own internal 
Right. Uh, connections can't keep you together. So it could have been a small moon that got close and got ripped apart. It could have been a comet that, that got close and got ripped apart. Uh, but clearly Saturn's rings are the most spectacular. As you said, anybody who's looked at Saturn through a, through a telescope can see that. And they're fascinating. They have The rings are all uh, little particles that orbit on their own. So the ones closer to Saturn orbit faster and the ones far away orbit slower. Uh, they're made of, of mostly ice and maybe a little bit of rock. And they, um, but lots of ice, lots of water ice even, and uh, they are, are like little tiny, you know, dust particles, smoke particles, all the way up to grains of sand and then up to big boulders and, and you know, you know, major and, trucks. They, and, they, and, and very bright, very white in color. The way that Saturn orbit insertion worked is we were, you know, we had to slow down, we had to burn the engine yeah. for 96 minutes, so we're coming up from Saturn. Imagine if, you know, Saturn is, just sort of put it in front of you in your mind, we're coming up from below, and we cross the ring plane, uh, right outside the bright part of the rings that you see with your eyes. We had our high-gain antenna pointed in the direction we were going, so if there were any particles there, it would hit the high-gain antenna. So we had a high-gain antenna as we went through the ring plane. Then we turned the spacecraft over and burned the engine for 96 minutes, and we were still over the rings at that point, so we just rolled the spacecraft over and just started clicking images straight down as fast as we could. And then we had to come... As we were coming around the other side, we had to come back down through the ring plane, so we had to point the high-gain antenna in the direction that the spacecraft was moving again to protect right. the spacecraft, so we had the descending ring plane crossing. Then we rolled the spacecraft again and looked up at the rings and you know, took a whole bunch of pictures, and then we did the, the big downlink, and then these images started coming in, and we, oh my goodness, I mean... It's exciting. Oh, it was so exciting. It? They had, you know, the, the people who had planned that particular activity, that those, you know, it was an hour and a half, and they'd spent two years planning an hour and a half. And we should explain, too, that there was a bit of, there was a bit of a gamble in this. You guys, you guys were plunging through the rings, banking on the idea that by, the, by playing the percentages, you weren't going to crash into a boulder. We, we chose very wisely where we were going to plunge through the rings. We, we, we chose a place that, that uh, had been penetrated three other times uh, safely. We also chose a place that we had imaged uh, as recently as, as February of this year to make sure nothing new had appeared there. Uh, we went through a place, in fact, that was ten times less dense than another part of the rings where another spacecraft had gone through uh, safely. We deliberately used the Huygens antenna as a shield, both in the early solar system for the sun, but now at the ring plane crossings, we use it as just a particle shield. Our website is saturn.jpl.nasa.gov, and we have tons of stuff there, including all of the recent results. And if you look for the uh, radio and plasma wave uh, sound file, you'll hear it. Um, which would be perfect for, of course, well, let, a radio let, show. Let, exactly. We yeah. should we should probably. You take, guys should grab that. Uh, we'll have to do that. Yeah. For our audience, rather than have to send and go to the web website. It, it's really interesting, and in fact, that they actually uh, they have they have several files that you can download, but the one through the ring plane crossing is very interesting. It is exciting, and it's gonna, and it's going to get even more exciting as it as it continues. So so Trina Ray, please come back and 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 update us from JPL. Absolutely, give me a call anytime. All right, I'll well, be here for four years, hopefully more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, that's right. We don't think about this is a very long. It's a very mission. long mission. It's it's really different from almost any mission that's that's flown so far. The only one that came close was the Galileo orbiter. Uh, around Jupiter, and, and of course they had some challenges that they had to overcome with their high-gain antenna and tape recorder. Uh, when's the next encounter with uh, with Titan? So on October 26th, we have a Titan flyby, and of course then we fly by Saturn again. We have a periapse 
you know, close to Saturn uh, set of observations. Then we have another big, I think the next one is like 60 days uh, or maybe 30, yeah, about 60 days because we fly by Titan again in December. All and right. that's when we get, then get ready to release the probe, the Huygens probe. Well, uh, the October, let's talk again. Let's talk again in the fall because I'm really excited about the next pass at Titan. I'm very excited about that Titan flyby also. All right, Trina Ray, thanks so much. We'll talk, we'll, we'll look forward to speaking to you again. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye bye. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM. Let's take a short break.